good morning. What an amazing story. Um, I don't know about you, but when, when, we, when we give to God's kingdom, when we give to missions, when we give to organizations like Samaritan's Purse, Operation Christmas Child, we oftentimes don't see the fruit. You know, we give, we, 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 we give our kingdom builders offerings, our tithes. We don't always see what God does with those, with those gifts. Um, but what an incredible story uh, to hear the life that was changed, that was truly transformed uh, by a simple gift of a shoebox filled with toys and little items that many of us take for granted. And so my encouragement is, is that as we celebrate what God is doing in our own lives this season, that we look for some of these opportunities to reach outside of ourselves, to, to invest in a shoebox, to invest in something that is going to bring um, not just joy, but hope. There's truly a feeling of, of love and that somebody cares enough uh, to give. And so thank you, Vanessa, for sharing your story. Uh, thank you, church, for being a part of what God is desiring to do across the street and around the world. It's an incredible time for us to be able to give into what God is doing. Uh, just a real quick reminder on um, our Royal Family Kids pushing the envelope. There's some envelopes out there. Just grab those. Get those back to us this week if you could. Um, that'll be a great blessing as uh, that camp takes place this summer. Um, and we do have a membership class coming up on November 14th. It is, if you've been kicking the tires or hanging out at Neighborhood Church for a while and you want to hear a little bit more about who we are and where we're going and what God has uh, called us to do as a church community, uh, we'll be sharing more on November 14th following our second service. So please be with us. There'll be a lunch available for you. I do want to just uh, give a big, big thanks really quickly uh, to Brian Smith and to Smith Glass. Um, Brian is not going to be happy with me um, that I'm saying his name out loud and recognizing him. Um, but Brian was good enough to help us um, be able to fulfill a desire we had to uh, put a, a vision wall up in our lobby. So the glass that you see out there with the Neighborhood Church logo and our little bit of our vision statement, uh, that was done by uh, the generosity of uh, Brian Smith, and also Debbie Myers, who was able to do the decal work for us. So we are truly grateful to them for that, and uh, it's really finished out our lobby area. So thank you. do want to ask uh, for your prayers. Um, it is a, a crazy season. As we come into Thanksgiving and Christmas, there's a lot that we celebrate. There's a lot that we get excited about. This is also a difficult time of year for a lot of people um, when it comes to family, those who are grieving the loss of loved ones this year. Um, just this week, um, uh, Russ Barker, a good friend of our church family, um, uh, went to be with the Lord. He finished his race, and we would just ask for your prayers for Lynn and the family um, as they grieve the loss of just an incredible man of God, an amazing husband and father, and uh, I know they will be grateful uh, for those prayers. just want to um, take some time. Um, this is a this is a crazy time of year, and there are a lot of people who are struggling. Uh, we took some time in the first service, but I want to, again, um, just ask if there are those who are struggling physically, um, they need a touch from the Lord, uh, a, a healing touch, uh, perhaps emotionally or financially, you're just in a, a difficult time, um, I would just ask if you'd raise your hand, uh, and we're not trying to embarrass anybody, we just know that we are a family. And as we believe and as we ask God, He shows up um, on our behalf. So there are hands going up all over. 
Um, I would just ask, if you are sitting around one of these who have their hands raised, if you just look around, if you'd be willing to just extend a hand, we want to pray um, for God's touch um, right now on people's lives. There are many who are struggling, and we believe in the power of prayer. So would you agree with me, and for those of you who have your hands raised, um, if you could just extend a hand. God, we thank you. We thank you that you answer prayer, that you are a God of miracles, Father, that you desire to show up in our circumstances and in our situations, and you desire to bring an answer. Father, for those who are struggling uh, physically uh, today, Lord, and need a touch from you, I pray for your supernatural healing to touch their lives, Lord, from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. And we ask, Lord, for those who are in a place that need financial provision, Lord, that you'd bring that, Lord, that you'd bring blessing, that you'd bring uh, the answer that they need, Father, that they would be able to, uh, to, to move forward in strength. And Father, for, for many who are emotionally uh, dealing with the, 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 the heartache of loss and grief, those that, they, that, that, have, that have lost people this year, uh, Lord, Father, we pray that You'd be their comfort. You'd be their peace. Father, You would remind them of their great value and their purpose as they remember those uh, who have gone before them to be with You. Lord, we thank You that You are our God, that You are a God of love, and that You know us, and You know the desires and the needs of our hearts. And so, Father, we come to You today with thanksgiving, asking that You would show up in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank You for Your prayers. Well, this morning as we come into this, this month, I don't, I don't know about you, but it's, it's already November. I can't believe that. And, and eventually it's going to be December. And I struggle with this time of year because I love Thanksgiving. I love the turkey. I love the stuffing. I love all the wonderful things that come around Thanksgiving time. I love all the memories of sitting around the table and giving thanks. Here's my problem. All right, can I just be real? The department stores and the malls that put all their Christmas decorations up, can you just wait until after Thanksgiving for crying out loud? Why do we have to rush it? Let's, let's, let's celebrate one holiday. Anyways, just pray for me, all right? But it is a, a wonderful time of year as we come into this Thanksgiving holiday as we pre prepare for the Christmas holiday. And it's going to be an interesting one this year. You know, we, we all get excited, but there are many who are struggling, who are grieving, who are coming into a holiday season that, that won't be the same and will be difficult. You know, there's a lot of shortages going on. If you watch the news, there's, there's all these ships that are sitting out in these harbors waiting to be offloaded and there's shortages everywhere. If you tried this weekend to go get toilet paper, I'm sorry, I didn't have anything to do with that. Gretchen went to Costco and empty pallet. There's nothing there. So, we're going to have to get creative. But it's bad enough when you can't get toilet paper. But, you know, as we come into these holidays that are, that are meant to be ones of thanksgiving and gratitude, and we see empty shelves and toys that we want to get or things that we want to bless people with and we can't find them, or shortages of turkeys, it's, it's going to be a tough one. And there are many who are struggling through 
the last year, year and a half of, of health concerns and, and, and vulnerabilities that have touched us, each of us in different ways. And truly, we are all, I think, trying to find some glimmer of hope. Trying to find something that we can hang on to. You know, this past year has, has left many struggling to find anything to be thankful for. And yet, it's important that we understand the importance of thankfulness. You know, over the coming weeks, we're going to be taking a look at our need to truly understand what it means to be thankful. And I don't want this just to be a, a Thanksgiving cliche series, but truly a time where we step back and we say, God, you're good. And I give you thanks. Because we need to understand that gratitude is what will allow us to successfully lead a life of worship and praise and adoration to the God we serve. The God who's done so much for us. And it's hard sometimes to find that attitude in a difficult season. Today I want to begin a conversation that, that, that surrounding the power of thanks. We want to look at what it means to be thankful and to really truly embrace how we're called to live our lives in that manner. Our text today is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 12. I am now permanently donning my reading glasses because my Bible text is very small and it's been a little bit of a struggle the last few weeks. So, take your judgmental thoughts and comments and you can... First, first Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 12, it says, Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank You that truly we have much to be thankful for. God, even as we hear of the stories of those children in, in distant countries who are just looking for their, their next meal. And yet we have so much to be grateful for. I pray, Father, that You would speak to our hearts over the coming weeks to help us to understand the power of a thankful heart and what it means to truly live a life of gratitude. Father, speak to our hearts today and I pray that You would continue to drive us to be those would look for opportunities to be used by you to bless the people around us. God, we love you. We thank you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in this passage of Scripture, Paul's challenge to us is to give thanks in all things. To give thanks in all things. Well, giving thanks is... is not always an easy thing. It's, it's not always a, a, a pleasant venture. It is truly God's will for our lives. And we've got to understand that it's a choice we make. 
to engage each day as a gift. And so as we take stock of what it means to be thankful, I want to consider a few things today. The first thing is this. Gratitude begins with a right perspective. Gratitude begins with a perspective that focuses on what God has given us. You know, our tendency is, is to only think or give thanks about good things. We tend to look around and say, well, I've, you know, if I have this and I have that, and you know, if God blesses me with this or that or the other thing, well, then I'll be thankful. But we can find it difficult to be thankful when we perceive things aren't going well or aren't going the way we hope they should or would. You remember when please and thank you were just kind of staples of growing up with good manners? Anybody? Remember? You know, mom or your dad would say, Dan, would you like some cookies? Well, of course I would. Yes, I would like some cookies. Well, what's the magic word? Please, can I have lots more cookies? Right, we all understood there, there was an element of gratitude. Please, may I have this? Thank you. It's interesting. This whole please and thank you has kind of gone away a little bit. People kind of feel entitled to the things that they receive or the things that they want. I don't know about you, but I've opened a door a time or two and you, you open the door and you let somebody walk through and they just keep on walking. And you're kind of like, you're welcome. <laughs> Remember the six foot two doorstop? Yeah, that was me. You know, we get to that place where we're like, good grief, you know, am I invisible? But do we say thank you for the little things? Do we find thankfulness? in the small things in life? When you go to the grocery store, when you go to work, when you're at home? Are we thankful? Do we say thank you when a meal is placed before us? When a server comes and attends to our needs and maybe isn't going quite above and beyond? Are we thankful? Because thanks is an expression of gratitude. That's how it's defined. An expression of gratitude. But to truly understand thanks as it pertains to what Paul's talking about, we need to understand the original text. The Greek word for thanks or thanksgiving is eucharisteo. Sounds a little bit like a word that's been used in the church for a very long time. All right, all you scholars and theologians in the room, what word does that sound like? Eucharist. Which if you know what Eucharist is, if you've spent any time in, in the church or in a, in a Catholic setting, Eucharist represents the Lord's Supper. It represents communion. And when we begin to think about the Lord's Supper, what did Jesus say in 1 Corinthians 11, chapter, chapter 11, verse 23? When Paul's recounting the, the Lord's Supper, Paul says, On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, and we, when he had given thanks, he broke it. So here's Jesus 
on the night that Judas is about to stick him in the back and get him arrested. And Jesus is sitting around the table with his disciples and he gives thanks. Not going, oh my gosh, guys, you know what's about to happen here? Yeah, let me just tell you, this guy is going to stick me in the back and then I'm going to get arrested and then I'm going to be crucified. Jesus isn't griping about his situation or his, his circumstance. He's understanding full well his purpose, God's purpose. And when we remember Jesus' sacrifice in the context of communion, it should cause us to want to give thanks. Not just to remember what he did, to be thankful for the sacrifice that was made. There's another Greek word that represents thanks or thanksgiving. It's the word charis. And it's translated as grace or thanks. And it expresses, it expresses the action of giving grace. It's this idea of showing grace and showing love. You know, when we think about thanksgiving, we oftentimes think about material things. But as Paul speaks of thanks, he speaks of a, of, of a different type of gratitude. Because the Hebrew words for gratitude or thanks are barak and yada. So when you begin to unpack these words, there's a powerful reality. Yada is to express one's public proclamation or declaration. It's the root word meaning to confess. We come to a place of thanksgiving. We are literally confessing our need of God. We're confessing His goodness. We're confessing His power. And the word yada directly correlates to worship. Do you realize that? That when we come in in, a, in, a, in an atmosphere of corporate worship, when we spend time in these types of settings, that this worship should be a gift of thanksgiving. An acknowledgement of God's love and His grace. The synonym for yada is the Hebrew word halal, which is ironically where we get our word hallelujah. So this attitude of worship should come from a heart of thanksgiving. This attitude of devotion to God should come from a place of gratitude. This other word, barak, loosely translated means to bless, thanks, or to give praise when referring to God. Some of the derivatives of barak are the words for knee or kneel. Interesting. This is why many believe that when, when you come to a place of worship, you should come to a place and kneel. You should come to this place of a posture of worship. We see it throughout Scripture. People coming and kneeling. Putting their face to the ground. It's a posture of submission. It's a posture of saying, you're God and I'm not. You know, it's interesting. I, it's been shared the last few weeks. I umpire baseball. I do. It's one of my, one of my little hobbies. And, and every once in a while... I'll come across a baseball player who is from Japan. And if you've ever seen a Japanese baseball player, it's very interesting. Because when they come up to, go to, to, to bat, 
they'll actually step into the batter's box and they'll bow. They'll look at the umpire and they'll bow. I remember the first, first time I was umpiring a baseball game, this guy walked in and he bowed, and I was like, am I supposed to, am I supposed to, supposed to bow back? I don't, know what the, I don't know what the protocol is here. But it was, it was a, an expression of honor. And as we know about the, the Japanese culture, they're high on honor and respect. But when our attention is always on the negative aspects of our circumstances, we forget what it means to honor God. We forget what it means to honor one another. We forget what it means to live with thankfulness. And when our focus is always on the negative, it makes it virtually impossible to be thankful. You know, the Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first His kingdom. When our focus is heavenly and heavenward, it starts to change the whole equation a bit. But when our perspective is solely set on what we want, then we often miss out on the joy that be, can be found in receiving each moment as a gift. My next breath is a gift. I shared the story of when my mom was this close to being the family hero. The year the 49ers went to the Super Bowl and she got half the family 49er jerseys and the rest of us got weird stuff like a travel pillow that you put your face in. And I remember being so annoyed in that moment. I was like, what in the world, Mom? We could have all had 49ers jerseys. And as I look back, my perspective was completely wrong. Because in that moment, I was more concerned about what I wanted, not the fact that my mom and dad had thought enough to desire to bless me with something. And we can easily get ourselves into that place. The reality is when we keep our perspective open to what God might be doing in the midst of a moment, we will always have something for which to be thankful. So here's some questions to ask yourself to help keep yourself in a godly perspective so that we don't get in that place of thinking, well, I deserve this or I'm owed that. Ask God, what do you want me to hear in this moment, in this interaction? As I'm sitting here with this individual, what do you want me to hear? What do you want me to see? As I go into my workplace, as I walk into the grocery store this afternoon to not find any toilet paper, what do you want me to see? What do you want me to see in the clerk who's helping me check out? What do you want me to see in the people that I pass? God, what, do you, what would you have me say or share? We just heard an incredible story from somebody who was touched by the generosity of one person taking time to grab a simple shoebox and fill it. Never to know who would receive it. What would God desire to have you say or share your story? Not knowing the impact it might have. 
And then finally, God, how can I be used? How can I be used in this moment? How can I be used in this interaction? How can I be used when I go to lunch with my mom and I'm not entirely sure what to talk about? Because a Jesus-centered perspective will always result in a spirit of gratitude no matter what the situation is. When we focus our attention on Him, we'll always find a reason to be thankful. So we've got to begin with the right perspective. We also need to flee the attitude of entitlement. Did you hear me? Flee entitlement. Have you looked around very much? Because there is a spirit of entitlement that has overtaken society. It's mind-boggling. I remember a day when you worked hard. And when you worked hard, things happened. And now all of a sudden we have this, this place we've come to where people just believe they're owed certain things. Here's a, here's a fun one. Cell phones. Cell phones are fun, especially when you have kids. You know, there was a study done by an, an analytics firm called Flurry in 2017, and it revealed on average a child gets their first phone at the age of 10. There you go. You're 10. Congratulations. Here's a smartphone. The good news is phones are totally safe these days. There's nothing on them at all that's inappropriate or harmful for your kids. So rest assured. That one hit a little better in first service. No, but kids feel entitled. My, my friend has a phone and, you know, I need one. And, and here's, the, here's the big safety concern. Dad, how am I going to be able to get a hold of you at school if I need something? Parents, here's a free tip. It's called a landline. And it sits on the desk in the office at the school. It's amazing. It's, they still work. Yeah, they still. <laughs> but we come to this place where we struggle with the entitlement mentality. Lifestyle. Isn't it interesting how many people believe they're entitled to the quality of living that their parents worked 30 years for? You graduate from college. All right, I need a new car. I need a house, and I probably should be allowed to vacation in Maui every other year because that just seems like it would be good for my health. Now we get to this place where we look at it and we go, yeah, that's how I'm supposed to be able to live life. And yet when we think back, it took our parents a while to get there. It wasn't this overnight success. And then there's the beauty of good old FOMO, the fear of missing out. We don't ever want to miss out on anything because, you know, people can't appreciate silence and solitude anymore because they've always got to be stimulated by something. There's always music on. There's always a TV show on. There's movies. There's podcasts. I mean, you don't have to actually really enjoy silence. And many people have been raised in environments of, of constant stimulation and entertainment. The expectation becomes that life has to be constant fun and excitement. And there's never a lull in the action. And as a consequence, 
very little time is spent in self-reflection or self-assessment. So people don't grow. They just... They don't mature. When we think we're entitled to whatever we want, whenever we want, then we will cease to strive for anything. It's important that we come to a place of embracing that Jesus gave a sacrificial love. That He loved us so much that He gave His life. Because if we can't embrace that, then we'll never be able to cut free from the snare of entitlement. It will always consume our lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 says, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died for them and was raised again. We were not given the gift of life or salvation or forgiveness so that we could just live for ourselves. We were given the free gift of salvation so that we could share hope and joy and love with everybody we come in contact with. Jesus' desire is that none would perish. But it's rampant, this entitlement mentality. Have you taken a look at a wedding gift registry lately? These are fun. Gretchen and I have gotten to go through a couple weddings the last few months. Here's some of the fun things. It used to be, you know, you get people like some you know, measuring cups or a mixing bowl. Here's some things that have popped up on the gift registries. The most expensive pots and pans that you can buy, right? Not the like, hey, those are 150 bucks, like, like $1,200 pans, which I don't know what you actually do with those, but you wouldn't want to cook in them. This was an interesting one we saw a couple years ago. A 12-pack of Pepsi. one would think pre-shortages you probably could have just gone and gotten but you know maybe it's harder to get them away uh, we saw a rei tent you know because we should be helping employee or camping passion uh, or maybe you could pay for our honeymoon you want to contribute to our honeymoon fund and then there's always the, the fun one the furniture fund help us furnish our home Help us buy our couch or our sectional. I was actually reading through um, and came across this article which I thought was mind-boggling. <clears throat> but it helps bring some application to this entitlement mentality. A guy named Toby Mayes was writing for the Metro magazine and he reports on a wedding guest who revealed she was contacted by newlyweds to say her gift wasn't generous enough. The unnamed guest posted to a form on Mumsnet asking for advice after she was told the $100 check she provided wasn't enough. She revealed how the couple who had asked for cash gifts had emailed to say they were surprised by her contribution and suggested an adjustment. She went on to say that the bride and groom declared, we were surprised that your contribution didn't seem to match the warmth of your good wishes on our big day. They added, in view of your own position, if you wanted to send any adjustment, it would be thankfully received. I'm sure it would. 
this is what we're dealing with. A culture that believes, no, 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 no. You obviously missed a memo because we were asking for large amounts of money. The reality is the Bible calls us to live our lives in love and service of others, not in an attitude of entitlement. So how do we steer clear of this entitlement? Here's some tips. found these. They're called the five potentially inconvenient steps to serving others well. First, change your position. We can serve others well when we actively decide to take on the role of a servant. If we live our lives to be served, we're going to fall into the trap of entitlement. When we desire to be a servant, we won't be looking at what we can gain, only what we can give. Take time to listen. If we truly seek to, other, seek to serve others well, the best thing we can do is take the time to get to know people and honor them with a listening ear. When was the last time you really, really listened to the needs of somebody? Or are we always kind of fueling our response? Third, care even when it costs you something. By simply making the statement, let me know how I can help, we're opening ourselves up to a world of needs. Not just the ones that are convenient or obvious or fit nicely into the time we've allotted to help. When you offer to help and serve somebody, get ready for what comes with it. Because it may not happen at the most convenient time. My son called me at 11.37 last night when I was just about completely asleep. And he had a question. It was great timing. But sometimes it doesn't come at the most convenient times. Those times when we need help or somebody needs our help. Recognize you might not be the whole solution. Sometimes we think that we need to be the whole solution. When we seek to serve others in light of how Christ served us, we can take comfort in knowing that we are rarely the whole solution. Did the person that packed Vanessa's shoebox change and transform her life? No. They played a part in bringing a young girl hope, bringing joy in the midst of a difficult time of her life. And that paved the way for someone else to show generosity and love. And someone else to come alongside and say, Jesus loves you. We are rarely the whole solution. We're just part of a bigger plan, and that's okay. And finally, allow yourself to be served. Jesus, who was fully God, fully man, who went about and did a ministry of service and healing and blessing to other people, at, at times allowed himself to be served. Remember the woman who came in with the alabaster jar and washed his feet with her hair and her tears and perfume? we allow ourselves to be influenced and changed by the people we seek to serve, we create avenues for mutual respect and mutual love, ultimately bringing about mutual change. We have to be willing to change our mindset. Because serving others means making space for their existence and seeing them as valuable and worthy. 
seeing them through God's eyes. Final thought is this. True thankfulness is rooted in contentment. We've got to come to a place of contentment because thankfulness comes from understanding who we are in God and truly understanding and embracing His plan and purpose for our lives. You know, too often we find it difficult to just be thankful for that with which we've been blessed. We're always looking for something else. I need this, I need that. We tend to focus on what we don't have instead of God's blessings. You know, Amazon is the bane of my existence. Okay, can I just be real? They have this little thing called a, an algorithm. What happens is when you go on and you search stuff on Amazon, they figure it out. And the next time you go on to Amazon, they show you other stuff that they think you would love. And you get sucked into this little vortex of needing stuff. And it doesn't help that when their boxes show up, they have a little smiley face on them. Gretchen says I'm like a dog on a bone when it comes to that sort of thing. But in order for us to truly experience thankfulness, regardless of our situation, we have to learn to be content. And contentment doesn't come from getting stuff or amassing wealth. Contentment is wholly reliant on our ability to feel secure in where God has placed us. Are you secure? Are you content with where God has you? Do you believe that God can use you where He has you, where He's placed you? In your workplace? In your school? In your neighborhood? Because circumstantial contentment is not true contentment. If you need something to happen in order for you to be content, you're not content. And Paul's talking about being content no matter what. He says it best in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. Paul was content. Paul went through the most difficult of trials and he still found contentment in who he was in Christ. But do we find that same level of contentment? Because just as Paul described in Philippians 4.13, we can do all things including learning to be content through the strength we receive in following Jesus. So here's four ways to find contentment as we close. Accept rejection. It's kind of a weird one to lead off with. It sounds a little crazy because rejection's not easy, but overcoming feeling rejected is the secret to moving past approval seeking. It's the secret to moving past needing something in our lives to be content. It's moving past the comparison trap. Because rejection is a part of life, but it can help us grow closer to God as we realize our weaknesses can actually be strengths. Take the attention off of ourselves. Shine it on others. Do you exist as a you universe? The universe is about me what I need? Or do you look around and say, God, what can I do? How can I shine 
light and love on other people. We are given a fresh start when we choose to love Jesus, when we choose to step into relationship with Him. But is that something we have a desire to share? Is that truth? Is that promise? Is that forgiveness? Is that restoration? Is that something we choose to give? Because when we tension's all on us, it will make it impossible for us to see the needs of others. Help others find contentment in Christ. Walking beside people as they wade through the obstacles of life brings contentment in Jesus. And it's refreshing when someone is willing to listen to our struggles, pray for us, and share godly wisdom without inserting our own problems or agendas into the conversation. Study the lives of contentment warriors and develop the characters they exhibit. We can look at Jesus. We can look at Paul. We can look at John. We can look at all these people in Scripture and see incredible faith amidst impossible obstacles. We can also read about other individuals who've demonstrated godly character to help us focus on qualities that really, really matter. One of my favorites is Corey Ten Boom. Many of you have probably read The Hiding Place or have studied this incredible woman. But Corrie ten Boom was the Dutch Christian who helped hide the Jews during the start of the Nazi regime and their rule in World War II when they began to imprison Jews and persecute Jews. And after being arrested, Corrie and her sister Betsy were placed in a concentration camp. And in her book, The Hiding Place, she recounts a story from that time as they were placed into this concentration camp. It says she and Betsy were complaining because of the environment and circumstances they had been placed in when they realized that that morning they had just read 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Since they were reminded to give thanks in all situations, they began to verbally list what they were thankful for. One of the things Betsy stated she was thankful for was the fleas. Corey laughed it off and couldn't believe she would say she was thankful for the fleas. As she documented that they were literally everywhere, even in their stinky straw beds. It wasn't too much longer, too much later, when both Betsy and Corey realized the reason they had so much freedom in their living quarters, being able to read the Bible, being able to talk about God, being able to pray, was because of all the fleas. Because no guard wanted to come into their living quarters. You know, true thanksgiving comes from a place of contentment no matter what the situation Because we're called to give thanks in all things. But giving thanks for everything is not always easy. It's not always pleasant. But it's what God's called us to do. We need to remember gratitude begins with having a right perspective. We need to flee the attitude of entitlement. And true thankfulness is rooted in being content no matter what the situation we will face adversity 
in this life until the day Jesus returns. But the power of thanksgiving and embracing that power, whether the season is one of great blessing or impossible trial, knowing that God is still working in and through us. Just as Vanessa shared, every night they sat at the table and they gave thanks. Whether they had little, nothing, or plenty, can we have that same mentality? Would you stand to your feet as we pray this morning? Father, we thank you. We love you. We're grateful for your love in our lives. We're grateful for your blessing and the things that you're desiring to do in and through us each and every day. And so, Father, we again give thanks. No matter what we're facing today or tomorrow or this week or this month, we give thanks. And we know that as we turn our attention on you, as we give thanksgiving, as we have that heart of gratitude, that you will show us the things that you would desire us to do, the people that you would desire us to speak to, the blessings you would desire us to share. And so, Father, we ask you humbly to help us. Help us not just to be thankful, but to share that thanksgiving with everyone we meet. Lord, we love you and we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. And this morning, if you are in this place or you're tuning in online and you've not made the decision to follow Jesus with your whole heart, it is the greatest gift that we can receive is salvation and forgiveness. So we want to invite you into that decision. We want to invite you to declare your need of God today. The Bible says if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts, God raised Him from the dead, we'll be saved. So today we want to give you the opportunity, a simple opportunity to confess your need of Jesus to pray that prayer. So church, can we say this prayer together as we do each week so we don't single out anyone out or embarrass anyone? Those of you who are tuning in online, if you'd like to say this prayer with us as well, say, Father God, please forgive me. I've sinned and I've made a lot of mistakes. I believe your son, your son Jesus Christ came to this earth to show me how to live. And He died and was raised back to life so that I could have a relationship with You. I ask You today to come into my heart to be the Lord of my life. Change the things in me I can't change as I live for You today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Church, we have a choice. As we go out these doors, we can choose to see the world through the world's eyes. A dog-eat-dog -dog world and just going after everything that we think we need and want. Or we can choose to step out of these doors and see the world and see people through God's eyes. To walk with a, a heart of thanksgiving, knowing that the gift that we've been given of life is something that we're called to share. So can we do that this week? 
And we walk out of these doors thankful. And as we step into relationship and interaction, let's share God's love, let's share hope, let's share joy, and in everything we do and say let's be the neighborhood. God bless you this week. Have a wonderful week.